Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 39 of the Lion of Vienna Suite podcast. My name is Daniel Murphy, and I am your host this evening, as Chris's internet is still not recovered from his move. And joining me today is Johnny. Johnny, how are you doing? I see your, your Chelsea side are losing quite badly at the minute to Leicester. Yeah, we're... Uh... I'm all right, thanks, mate. Other than the Chelsea side losing, I know. I mean, your United side lost yeah. to Bournemouth, so we're in the same boat. At least, at least we're losing to a better side. Ah, that is. Um, and I just put a fiver on Riyad Mahrez to score next at half time, enhanced to eighteen to one, and he and he's bagged. So that's ninety five pounds for me. Thank you very much. Yeah, I I never get that lucky. Or I'm I should say I'm never that good at betting. I'm never on the ball like that. But anyway, also joining me tonight. And it's for his first appearance in a few weeks, I'd say. Is Mr. Liam O'Mara. Liam, how's it going? Hello, boys. How are we doing? You okay? Uh, not too bad at all. Not too bad at all. Yourself? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. I've still not sussed out what I've said that's meant you've uh, overlooked me all these weeks. But <laughs> no, I think we'll let it go. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's just because us, me, Chris, Johnny, and uh, old Tom down the manor. Tom just had such a good rapport going. I mean, you were, I'm, I, you best have heard uh, Tom's pretty good quiz last week. Well, that's it. I didn't want to really interrupt on your loving. It was a bit uncomfortable. To be fair, it was a very good quiz. It was, and we need to do something again. He was going to be on again this week, but um, he went radio silent on me, so I I hope you're all right, Tom, if you're out there somewhere. But anyway, let's make this... Oh, and before we do get on to business, I'd like to apologise for having no podcast last week. Um, I had to, like, fucking do uni work. Chris had no internet. Rob was busy. We was all a bit ramshackled and whatnot, so it fell by the wayside, but we're back today, and yeah, we're just as depressed as we were the last time you heard our voices, but anyway, on to Bolton Wanderers, and we'll talk about actual on-the-pitch action first. Since last we spoke to you, we've played two games, and naturally we've lost two games, the first of which we'll touch on briefly since we didn't get a chance last week, was Bolton 2, Cardiff City 3. Now, Johnny... You were at the game, I think, I hope. I was. Yeah, why don't you summarise it for us, because from the brief highlights I saw and following it on the Twitter, it was not a fun afternoon. wasn't, no. I mean, it's obviously, it's nice to see us score two goals in a game, but I, I did my did my match report as I was on my way home from the game, and there was a, a lot of anger went into it. Um, I mean, in, in parts of the game, we played all right, but there's just... There's, Things that don't go for you when you're at the bottom, like Dobby's miss. Oh. I don't know if anybody read my my post match report on five yeah. things, but I absolutely despise him. How he can you know, I take a wage? How he can take a wage from our football club? Well, he's not the in the minute to be fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's it's just ridiculous, and it just show oh, just goes man. to show what doesn't go for you when you're at the bottom yeah. of the league. And I mean, in parts we we attack quite well. Not not nothing special, not setting the world alight, but we we looked okay, and then, but then at the back we, we looked so weak, and then apparently they were okay at the back on on Saturday against Hull, but they just couldn't score. So it's like it's you yeah, can't it's have both. It's either one or the other. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah, I, you know, I'd actually forgotten about that Dobby miss before you mentioned it. And my fucking god, it was just after we equalised, wasn't it? Ish, and we were on top, and if that had gone in, we. We could have won that quite easily. We are on the ascendancy. But, and then after the miss, they go up the other end. Casado gets himself sent off. And then they score from a fucking handball moments after. Um, Liam, did you see that fucking horrendous miss? Yeah, I've seen a lot of that game. Obviously, I was 
unfortunately not filling the macro on that afternoon as I had to work. But, mm. you know, I've seen a lot of it. And I came in for a fair bit of whack that evening, actually, because I made the suggestion that, I suppose at that stage, that we can't really criticise players that aren't getting paid. Now, I appreciate, you know, yeah. situations changed quite dramatically since then and there's all sorts of talk going on that we'll come to later but yeah I mean I found it very difficult to criticise and from what I my, my position it was a, a performance of heart which really we could was all we could expect from players that you know are meeting up about discussing what's happening when they're not getting paid you know I've been in that position myself where I've had to work without the guarantee of, of not being paid and I can tell you it is horrible I don't care what job you do you know or how much money you earn you know, you live to that means, so these players will have mortgages that dictate off the money that they're on. So them not being paid is as serious as us not being paid. So yeah, I think very, very difficult to criticise any performances at the moment. Yeah, that's, I think that's a fair point, actually, and we'll move on to that with the whole game itself, where obviously I don't think any of us travelled to the wonderful city, but from again, from the highlights... We had, yeah, like I said, a one nil defeat against one of the top teams in the league. Actually, surprisingly, I was coming away from it. I was quite happy, which is quite a depressing thing to say because I was expecting us to. Looking at the two teams before the game, I thought they were going to absolutely trounce us. The amount of like Premier League talent they had in that side, but um, thankfully it was only one nil. I suppose, but again, it was poor poor defending from Prince and Vela. Again, that cost us the goal, wasn't it, Johnny? Yeah, well, I, I've not seen that. I was really busy this weekend. I don't know if anybody anybody listening has ever been to Oxford Street in London where all the shops are, but around this time of year, it's absolutely horrendous. And I went there Friday, Saturday and Sunday to do Christmas shopping this week. So um, I didn't get a chance to see any of the highlights, but I've just watched the goal. And, it, yeah, it was just it, it was just poor. And like, I know Mark Isles was saying on Twitter that, he was getting a bit frustrated with trying to watch us convert in the final third and it was just so poor, but defensively we were okay. But that, that goal, Prince got caught out twice. The ball goes over the top initially and he stands still. And then uh, he gets caught out on the rebound. So, I don't know. It's like, I just I keep banging the same drum, but it, nothing goes for you when you're at the bottom. And we just need, we need a lucky break. Yeah. Um, and tomorrow's going to be, I'm going tomorrow. Because, yeah, because yeah, obviously I live down here, don't I, in London, so... Mm-hmm. It's a bit rude not to, um, and you can pay on the day. So I'm going to go, but it's going to be a shit game. Yeah, I know for a really fact. Like, and it, but again, I guarantee something will happen where I come away from the game thinking, "What has happened here? Like, what, how, how have we not at least got a point out of that?" Yeah, it's it's just like look, it's just you know when it's raining, it's pouring, isn't it? And we just exactly. get no luck. I think we got all our luck when we got when who did we get a penalty against when Shola missed it. Which Bristol uh, was it? I think. Yeah, Bristol. City. See, we Bristol. got our luck then, and we didn't fucking take it. Same with the penalty Medine missed against someone way back when. I can't remember if that was against either. It's like, you know, we've gotten a bit, but we've never really taken advantage of it, and then we just get the full brutal force of not taking that chance back. So, Johnny, I know I said you watched the first game. Was the the Cardiff game? Was there any positive performances at all? Or any particularly bad performances in that kind of game? Um, aside from Dobby, who should be struck from the face of the earth for that miss, um, thought Neil Dan's played well mm. um, for once. He, was, he didn't give the ball away too much in midfield. He's very energetic. Um, again, Casado played well. Weeter, Moxie, it was nice to have him back. Yeah, it was um, he played in 
played in an advanced role on the left, and it, it was he was very good actually. Uh, him and Casado have quite a good understanding. I think it's because Mox is obviously a left back by trade, mm. um, and Casado's quite attacking, so it's good to know that if Casado gets caught out further forward, then Moxie can just fill in for him. Were you surprised that it was Moxie who was... Was it Moxie who played further forward against Cardiff? Yeah, yeah. Were, yeah, you, were you surprised it was Moxie rather than Casado? Um, no, the, I don't think so. I, I know we did, we did discuss yeah. on, on the last podcast that we could possibly play Casado further forward, but I think, to be honest, having seen them both advance up and down that left-hand side, I think it's either or. It just depends who, mm-hmm. who wants to play where or who even who's playing on the right for the other team um, yeah. it just depends so yeah but I think other than that um, Amos's distribution was a bit dodgy but it's been a bit dodgy for a few weeks I don't know what's wrong yeah. with him um, yeah but other than that people were slating Amiobi as well I and I thought I, I thought he played really really well in the first half but yeah. then he'd he come out in the second half and he's understandably tired yeah. and then he, he got taken off at half time uh, on the hour mark and, and then Heskey came on and all he does, Heskey, is win headers. He doesn't run, but Amiobi runs, which is I'd rather have a runner who can at least win one header or two. Because let's face it, Gary Medine hasn't won a header since he was about thirteen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a mixed bag, really. If I'm honest. Liam, what are your thoughts on Big Old Shawl? I don't think we've heard him on the podcast. I, I think you get exactly what you expect from Sure Amiobi. Mm. It was a bargain <laughs> sort of basement buy, wasn't it? Yeah getting him in and obviously we turned him down before I think when Lennon started realising the situation in terms of finances I've turned back to Shola Amiobi and I think he's done okay to be honest I you know the the, the work's there he does have a decent level of ability I just think a bit like Heskey but not necessarily to the same extreme you only get so long of him per game mm-hmm. you know he's going to yeah. go um, yeah, it's it's like if one starts, they can't both start together. No, I think you get 15, 20 minutes out of Esky in truth. Yeah, yeah and, definitely. And he, can, he can be effective, to be fair to him. But back to Amiobi, I think, you know, he's been all right, hasn't he? He's done... Yeah, I, I I've been surprised how all right he's been. Backhanded a compliment, that is. Because I think he's our best striker and you know as depressing as that may be to say at 35 in 2015 sure well nearly 2016 now sure Amiobi's your best striker but he fucking is and I don't he's obviously he always seems like he gets the ball trapped under his feet when he's in on goal but apart from that I've been quite surprised with his hold up play and his actual first touch and he's like you said there um, Johnny, I think it was. He, he actually does run a little bit with the ball. He can move with it, which offers us a little something. But when he's just got no support most of the time, it's it limits it limits his effectiveness it's quite tricky. a bit. It's tricky, Dan, because the problem is is that the type of player he is. Mm. I think people expect more because yeah. they expect him to hit the ball to be able to stick. But if you're not got people around him, yeah, exactly. For example, this yeah. is where he really lets himself down because he's often there, but he will not move off the wing. Mm-hmm. But where he's, he will not get out of his comfort zone, that lad. So he will not support. So he's really let down Amiobi. He could probably be a, a better player, but, you know, people in and around him out there. Now, if that changes, obviously, with maybe Zach Clough coming back, oh. that could be quite interesting. Well in, well in turn as well. Yeah, that, well, exactly. So, you know, there's there's a little bit there for him in terms of moving around because I think, you know, I, I mean, for weeks beforehand, I know it might have changed while I weren't here, but, we were all sat here looking at Mark Davis and saying how, how well he's doing. But if I look at it 
on the outside, he's probably really been letting Amiobi down mm. because that's perhaps the person who should be getting the ball off Amiobi. I think Davis has fallen off the face of the earth form-wise in recent weeks. He's just yeah, in the last couple of weeks, for I sure. Think... Just before we talk about Mark Davis, by the way, can I Go. just commend, if Gary Medine's listening, Gary, you're a shithouse. But your goal against Cardiff was absolutely outstanding. Yeah, actually, it was surprisingly. Like, where yeah. the fuck did he pull that one out of? Proper strikers finish. Yeah, I. Fucking hell, I bet. You just know he's never going to score again, though, for us, is he? And you just know he'd probably be on it first to leave once fucking thing comes in. But, like I said, I'm not going to criticise anyone for leaving a job they're not getting paid at. But more on that later. Who's we going to talk about? Matt before? Davis. Matt Davis, yeah. He's one who's just fallen off the face of the earth, isn't it? And I don't. It's like like Liam said, it's hard to criticise people when they're not getting paid and but just there is no fight and it's not just Davis, there's hardly anyone in that team who's shown any fight and I think with Davis being the most experienced in our squad, the longest serving player, you look to it he's a senior player now, he's must be what, twenty seven, twenty eight maybe? He's, he's getting on a ish, isn't he? Yeah, like he's into right his now, so, yeah. he's into what his peak years should be. He's twenty seven, so he's getting into what should be the peak of his career. I know he's in a shite team and whatnot, but we should be looking. He should be the one who's like, did he did he play against? I think he probably sure he played against Hull, didn't he? But he didn't play against Cardiff because he was suspended. Yeah, he's like, see, he should be the one who's taking who's taking a bit more responsibility at this stage, and you know, even if it's only for the next few weeks until they all fuck off, you'd at least hope that you'd put up a little bit more fight until well, then. But none of I, them seem to be doing it, do they? I just come in down because. Yeah. I- pick up something that Johnny said earlier in that someone who despite everything has really stepped up I think is um, the friend of the site Neil Dons yeah I agree actually <laughs> no, you, he's, he's going to have that love it for the rest that. of his life but, yeah, I remember I kicking off put him on Twitter Liam ages ago yeah, <laughs> that was a highlight of my day that was going I was just on a bus somewhere before started fucking like overheating I mean, Bill Dan's block crew, well in there. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that was an interesting day, but yeah, I do agree. I feel like he's not the best by any means, but he's the one who's, you know, he's just taking, trying to take a game back, scuff of the neck, and he's, at this yeah, point he, in time, he, he was really, really, really good um, against Cardiff. I thought one of the best games he's played in ages, going forward and defensively. He was very. Um, I mean, I don't think he's that good defensively sometimes. I think he makes rash tackles yeah, yeah. exactly as he did last year against Liverpool when he got sent off, yeah. and, then he's, and then his form has just gone down Correct. since then. And I've not seen him play as well as he was playing before that game. Like, he played really well in the game at Anfield. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then, like I say, he got sent off for that ridiculous challenge. Um, and then he, he didn't, he's not really played well since. But the Cardiff game, he played really well. He was tenacious, he was tackling, him and Prattley worked really well together in midfield, winning the ball back and just doing what a centre midfielder should do really and that is kind of what you would expect from Spearing, I was getting it from Dan's, so I was mm. thinking I know I said on the on the pod or maybe in an article a few weeks ago that Spearing, why is he not getting a look in but no, if Dan's, Dan's plays like that then Spearing probably won't play for the rest of the season because mm. he, he was really good I'll tell you the truth, Johnny. I'll tell you exactly why Spearing isn't getting a look in. <laughs> Number one, he can't pass. Yeah. <laughs> and in our team, if you, yeah. if you get notice for not being able to pass in that bottom wanderers team, you cannot pass. Yeah. He's completely immobile. He's he's worse than Trotter. He just does not move. Spearing. Yeah. He used that. to be able to pass though. He when he was when he came on loan, he's yeah. a pass master. He's like Perlo. I called him the uh, <laughs> fucking a scouse mix of. 
uh, Perlo and Gattuso. Yeah, he's outstanding. And then we sat, once he got a permanent contract, he thought, yeah. yeah that's the... The, biggest, the, big, the biggest letdown I've seen in a moment. Yeah. Since... The, the last player we spent actual money on as well. He must be on big money, you know, as well. He must be on, like, Probably. decent wages. Because, you know, Wita got a pay rise when we yeah. got relegated and then we signed Spearing. So, to get, him from a, to get him from a Premier League club, we must have signed him for a million quid, didn't we? He must be on... by five. Oh, yeah, he must be on 20 grand plus. I'd say so, yeah. yeah. We were desperate for him, weren't we? Yeah. And no fan could complain because every fan wanted him. Yeah, yeah. I, remember, I remember watching a video the day... He signed him coming into the training ground, and all of the all the players yeah. were sat on the table eating, and he was shaking hands, and I was thinking, yeah. "Fucking hell, we're going to win the championship." <laughs> Jay Spearing's going to be like Frank Lampard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, how that turned out? Eh? I oh. think one more player who deserves a shout out before we uh, get uh, move on from this very not much in depth review of these two games is young Rob Holden, who came in against Hull, played, I believe it was right back, but the fucking Twitter account, the official Twitter account changed their mind quite often over what formation we were playing. It was, it was either right back or wide centre back in a free at the back. I think, they were, convinc- I think they were trying to confuse Hull, weren't they? Yeah. I think it was any advantage <laughs> we could get. But apparently he did quite well. I think the last time he played for the Whites was against Middlesbrough when he was again thrown into the deep end by Lennon, who seems to have grown a fondness for throwing in youngsters against the hardest teams and then not playing them ever again which I must say must do the confidence so well because apparently he did well against Hull held his own and has been singled out by a lot of people as like our best player on the day so it's good to see you know a youngster coming in and doing well it's just a bit annoying that he's you know that right back position which again you know we signed two players there in January and in summer sorry and you know we're not playing a kid there but hey ho we'll talk more about the youngsters soon when we talk about match previews but until then we're going to come back in just a minute to talk about another depressing two weeks in the world of Bolton Wanderers. Don't go anywhere. Hello everyone and welcome back to this the second segment of Line of Vienna podcast. There's actually only going to be three segments in today's show. There's not going to be any questions or guess who's or quizzes or anything like that because this is all quite a last minute put together thing, the stuff that was going to happen but didn't happen, so plans fell by the wayside, I mean Johnny was in the pub two minutes before we started and he very kindly ran over so we could be on and fill in the last spot again Johnny, thank you very much for that so oh, yes. it's only going. It's probably going to be quite a short one depending on how quick we get through this all this list of depressing news so we may as well crack on, first of all We've been received a winding up order or petition from the HRMC. Liam, what does this actually mean to someone who absolutely has no fucking idea about taxes in the slightest? Well, it means they're not confident we can pay the, the debt back, basically. So they're, they're, they're making it so we have to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of the really basic side of it. Now, what, what are the short-term effects are? It's that, well, it can lead to further action. But I don't actually think, given the fact that as a club we own our assets, that it's really that big a deal. Yeah. And I also think it's a little bit harsh to put this on us, given the fact that a lot of it is a payee that essentially we haven't even paid because we've just we've just actioned it and doing it as back pay to our players. It's very very harsh to put this on us, and I can only it's only because 
if this has been action, I, I would think that we're quite a lot further away in terms of takeover talks than the club will have us believe. Mm. So, what are the ramifications of this order? Is there, is there anything like threatening to the club's existence with it or what? It, not necessarily existence. No, I think I think that's a lot sort of further down the line. I mean, essentially, it's a, is it around seven hundred thousand? I think it's six hundred thousand. I read. Yeah. It's essentially that that has to be paid, and you know, if they have to, they'll put people in there, administrators that will action that the quickest way of paying off the debtors as possible. But we haven't got to that stage yet, but it's threatening that that will come into it. Yeah. What if we can't pay the tax debt? Well, then we'll 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 have to sell. Basically, we'll we'll get put into administration, which means that people will come in and that are looking to pay off our debtors in the quickest possible time take the control of the club off us in the means to do that. So instead of us functioning as a football club, as a normal profit-making or, sorry, organisation, <laughs> it would be solely to pay off the debtors. So you're probably your first action would be to sell the stadium, I would have thought, Ooh. and then it's back. And that, grand hotel. Yeah, well, you wouldn't have to go down that far because it's only 600 grand. You know what I mean? It's, it's not a, a huge amount of money in terms of... Tax. In terms, of, well, yeah, it's. Oh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I certainly don't pay that much tax, but it's not a lot of money in terms of running of a football club. No. And, I, and I do think it's hasty. Johnny, how fucking depressing is that? All this stuff. Ah, oh, very. I mean, I for one have enjoyed several fantastic days at the Bolton Whites Hotel. So I'd be very sorry to see it go and turn into God only knows what. Um, but yeah, it's just I don't know, like. And the fact that if we don't play, pay the players in, what is it, how many days, 60, oh, 70 Don't, don't days, jump the seven. gun, we'll come Oh, sorry, mate, hack. yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just the, the whole the whole thing's a fucking shit show, mate. Like, I mean, I, I, what are we going to do? Are we going to get somebody in in the next 17 days to sort us out? Like, are they hearing for this, um, this winding up petitions on the 18th of January, is it, or sometime in January? So are we, are we gen- genuinely confident we can get somebody in to to buy the club I don't know I mean there's been talk of this takeover I remember doing the podcast a few weeks ago yeah. I think that was the last time you last were on was happy. Um, saying how happy we were about a takeover and oh it's, it's going to be so good like Eddie Davis is wiping the debt it's just going to be amazing and then uh, like, I, I'm, I'll be honest I don't really give a fuck about Dean Holdsworth anymore I just want somebody with money yeah. speaking I've not actually put like the, the takeover still not up in on the, uh, the, uh, the uh, agenda this you know of all these supposed consortiums Nothing happening and all that. What do you what do you see take on our current like takeover situation? Well, I don't know. Like, I, like where are we? I mean, I've heard. I said it. I think I said it on the last podcast a couple of weeks ago. I've I've heard talks from uh, Stelios fronted um, consortium with I think I've heard Goodney Bergson's knocking around in that one as yeah, well. So um, with there's obviously the one with with Holdsworth and and then that um, that dodgy guy who got done for being bit of a tax fraud guy in um, Marbella, what's his name, who he was sat with at the game. Yeah, I know what you mean, but um, I don't recall the name. Yeah, that's, I've forgotten his name, but that, yeah, that's a lot of shit. There's him the guy who's like people kingpin the... off Daredevil, if anyone's Yeah, yeah. Um, there's people from the Middle East, there's people from the Far East, there's people from Timbuktu, I don't know, and to be honest, I, there's no point sort of perusing over it, you may as well just concentrate on what's, what's going on in the pitch. Mm. Liam, what about you? What's your take on all this the takeover situation at the minute? Do you actually see it, it getting resolved at, at all, let alone at any point? 
Uh, yeah, I think I think medium to long term it will get solved. I just think there's obviously they're not hitting the criteria, and a lot of people are blaming Davis for the situation. But I, I do think I actually credit him for not wanting to sell the club to someone who's just going to kill it straight away. And I, like it might seem bleak, and we might lose everything in the lo- in the process. But for him to continue to turn down the chance for him to just get rid of it. For the good, you know, for the future of the club, you've got to respect that. I think. Yeah, he's, he's a fan, isn't he? He doesn't. Sorry to jump in, Liam, but he, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to get someone to come in and just strip the club of its assets, and then we're just reduced to nothing and just a PLC, and then it eventually it just gets liquidated. So that's fair play to him. He wants the club to exist, but I mean, there comes a time and a place where you, you've just got to sort of say, right, enough's enough, and we'll we'll take the we'll take it to the, the highest and the best bidder, really, whoever we've got. I, well, there's two things to say there, Johnny. And the first thing is, that's happened to us before. People have short memories. I, there was an incident, this happened to us in the 80s, where someone came in and really took us to the cleaners over on it. But I think with Davis, I don't necessarily think it's it's down to him. I just think people aren't getting the criteria because there's a lot of things you have to, to meet now to own a football club. It's not, it's not cut and dry. It's not like buying another business. There's a lot... I mean, I, I've worked for a long time in commercial transfer, so this kind of thing is, you know, what I did for a living for a long time. When you buy in a football club, there is a lot of stringent criteria that you must meet, and the, I imagine the first thing first is that you must be able to to run it. You must be able to meet the costs that they have. Now we are losing nearly a million pounds a month, and from what I can understand is that these potential buyers aren't being able to prove that they can meet that cost in the short term. They can't meet yeah. that million pound a month and if you can't do that if he can't sell him if he wants to even if he wants to to him he can't I've said it to I've been Chris has been wheeling me out on various different phone interviews and stuff I've been on GMR um, BBC Radio Manchester with Jack Dayden and Mark Isles I've done stuff for 442 Bolton News a few other places and I said to every single one whoever comes in and takes over the club has to have 30-40 million ready to spend because they've got to, they, yeah, they've got to. No, that's that's just to run the club. They've got to run yeah. us for the next two years or whatever until we balance the books and at least start turning a profit again. Yeah. But yeah, that's before you even yeah. look at those one-off fees to to pay or to pay for transfers and stuff. Yeah, this, it's, it's all right having this idea that you know there's median term where we can do this and then we can do this, but you can't come in without having it in place to, to, to be able to survive. And you're right, you're completely right, Johnny. If you don't have this, at least n- what it is, is, is 9 million is an absolute bottom line is that w- what we lost last year as a, you know, as a, as a business. So if you can't cover that loss, if you don't have that in your account before you even set off, you cannot afford it. And then you've got obviously the cost of buying the assets on top of that. So it may well be 15, 20 million, but it's actually 30, 35 million as an absolute minimum before you can even get going. And that's not, that you can have in a few weeks when your investors start coming in. Because a lot of things are rounding up investors. People like Amir Khan are going out begging people for money, really, to get involved in this scheme, which is all well and good. That's how a lot of particular football consortiums work. But if you don't have it now, then it's no good. And the problem is, is that because of what's going on with the HMRC and the potential of administration is that a lot of these takeover bids are being rushed and perhaps that they weren't necessarily looking to buy it now. It was maybe three or four months down the line. But if we do go and admin, then all of a sudden this idea of this golden nugget investment of a club on the brink of Premier League really much goes down the wayside. And it's um, completely estimable. A lot of my, shall we say, friends who aren't exactly 
knowledgeable on money and stuff have said stuff like we should take the administration to get the 12 points deducted just right off this leap this season go down to league one and start and afresh is that a viable option or is that it's, just if we go into administration are we fucked absolutely the worst thing that could happen to us because no one would want us why would you buy us in league one mm, might be cheaper would it? Bought Leeds. I don't know, would it? That's what I'm asking. That's what I no, still the, the assets are still the assets. You know, they, they're not buying what we would call goodwill. We're not charging anything for that. Daddy Davis has basically put a, what I think is quite a low price on, on the assets of Bolton Wanderers. Yeah. He will still want that if we go down. That will, mm-hmm. still, that will still remain. Now, he might not get it, but then we're even in bigger trouble. You, I think it's the worst thing that could happen to us. I think anyone who's saying that, just needs to ask clubs like Rangers what they think it did to them. I, I think it's the worst idea we could. Worst. Look at look at Rangers now. Like I thought Rangers would come back up in as many seasons as they dropped down. So they dropped down what three leagues? I thought they'd be back up there within within uh, three years. But they're not. Are they? They're, they're going to struggle to get out of the championship. It's, it's in Scotland this season. It's, it's, I mean, it's totally different. Because they they what they've done is was you know I don't want to get. <laughs> too much into this because it's still ongoing a lot of the stuff with Rangers and what what's happened at that club. You know, as much as I've enjoyed watching it, you know, it's been quite uh it's been quite trouble <laughs> quite troublesome for a lot of people. So I don't want to necessarily get too involved in in that one. But I, I tend to think ours is more like what happened at Hearts. Okay. I think I think there's similarities there yeah. where we had a big owner that just basically stopped putting money in, which is what happened at Hearts really. And then they had a situation where they had, you know, admin, um, a lot of the senior players left. Not necessarily like Rangers, where they just left it, they cancelled the contracts over a new business. They just left on very poor money, basically, and they ended up having a team full of kids that went down. Obviously, Hearts have managed to find their feet again. Um, but I think there's a similarity between our situation and that one. So, uh, do, do you think, sorry to interrupt you there, Dan, do, do you think we would go down? Like, that's just me playing devil's advocate. Do you think if we, if we went into administration, we would get relegated? Like, oh, yeah. I, I know you, get might, relegated you might anyway. I, I know you might think, oh, what a stupid thing to say, but, like, we've seen other clubs go on unbelievable runs, and it, it, I don't know, with the squad that we've got, you might look at it now and think, is, is that really possible? But two wins, and then on the points that we're on now, and, and we'd be kind of fighting for ourselves again and at least we'd be able to build up a little bit of momentum. Do you think we are we are completely doomed? Because there are there's 26, 27 games left. I think you make a good point, Johnny. I do think mm. you make a good point. And I don't think that necessarily, from a football management perspective, that you would expect them to give up on that. But I think from a boardroom planning perspective, you would prepare for the relegation, I would yeah, say. Yeah, of course, of course. I but just... I think on the pitch, I would like to see... I wouldn't, I wouldn't want them to give up and and just fulfil fixtures like a relegated team who know they've been relegated, like when it gets to March, and someone like Blackpool last season who knew they were going to go down early doors um, because of, it was mathematically impossible for them to, to continue in the in the championship. But I genuinely think that on, if we go on a bit of a run, you never know. Yeah, I'd, I don't, if it did, I don't think Lennon could be in charge for it at this point because he just seems like... And it's understandable. He just seems to be withered down by it so much. He just doesn't have the fight for it, no. And it's the same with a lot of the players. I just can't see it happening. We'd need a change, and that change is only going to come if new owners come in. Because I 
doubt we can actually afford to sack Clennon at this point, I imagine. No. Or, you know, unless he leaves, then if he can leave, if he's not been paid as well, that type of stuff. It's, it's a strange. And you'd like to think that they'd have some fight about them and not want to go meekly up into the night, but they've not had fight when they have been getting paid, so I don't. you just don't see how they'd suddenly get galvanised when they're not. You know, and I don't. I'm not blaming them for it. It's just how it is, isn't it? No. But like I said, people not getting paid. It's got to the point where 300 non-playing staff at Bolton Wanderers are looking like they're not going to get paid for Christmas, which is obviously a terrible thing, horrible, absolutely just horrible to see. But um, a fan, I don't know the fella's name, has started a just giving page for the non-playing staff, hoping to raise. Uh, 20 grand to be split between 300 staff and if you'll give me a moment I can tell you that it is currently on <coughs> sorry it is it is currently on um, 6,822 pound which is a lot bloody more than we raised for uh, LaFondra which is a start I believe people <laughs> like I think Stuart Holden donated maybe or at least tweeted about it to share it um some per some bidder if i can find it um gave did he like donate a grand i think like big money i think there's been like a couple of like really big bids but even if the money does not come in if it's two if it's 20 grand between 300 staff which is what we've heard. I don't know if it's the exact number. It'd only be sixty-seven pound each, so it's not, you know, it's not going to help anyone really. But what, what's your opinion on it, guys? Johnny, what do, you, what's your take on this on the giving page and all? Whatnot? Um, I mean, it's a cracking thing. Like it's, it's, a, it's a really good idea to to do it and to actually at least attempt to make an effort. I know there's been reports in the last week that Eddie Davis might come in and. And pay just like a one-off mm. payment of the, for those wages, but then again, that might not happen. So it's a really good thing. But I mean, you, I think you're fighting a, a losing battle so close to Christmas. This time, who's going to donate the money? I mean, I spent a fortune at the weekend Christmas shopping, and I know that I'm not in a real position to be able to donate mm, much so. money. I mean, As a I, student who's got I, thirty quid in his bank can't really be giving it away to other people, unfortunately. Exactly. Like, I mean, I'll, I've already put um, a tenner in, which is not great, but it's, it's a little bit. Um, I, I'll probably put maybe a little bit more in um, if I can towards the end of the month, mm-hmm. but. I don't know, and it's just really tough. It's a tough situation that no one wants to be in, and I, if I was in that position, I'd want people to donate for me. But I don't know. I don't don't necessarily think it's the right method using a just giving page because who's yeah. going to just who's going to distribute that money now? Well, once that, once that money gets raised, who's an update and the thing, and I actually do know the fellow who's doing it. If it's he's Gavin Clements, and he's a nice man. Um, he said five thousand five thousand seven hundred seventy five now. I've spoken to the club today and the staff are overwhelmed with everyone's generosity in what is a very difficult time. They're going to help in getting whatever is raised directly to the staff so it does not become club money and subject to the administration. So oh, at least the club are involved as well. They're helping with it and supporting it. and It's nice to see. I'm looking through some of the uh, some of the donations now and there's one from... It's a, it's a guy's name that says SW, you know, Sheffield Wednesday Football Club after it. And stuff like that. It's just it is heartwarming to see fans coming together, and not you know there's Bolton fans who 
you know, are coming together a bit, and then there's obviously a. Uh, other fans from you know picked a lot of people from Norway apparently donating and um you know fans of other clubs helping as well so it's nice to see coming together and it's you know it's a bit of a, I don't I don't begrudge Wigan fans for laughing at us because we'd probably do the same to them but fuck off you six fingered pie eating cunt bags um <laughs> that's I think I'll apologise on your behalf there Dan no, if any if there's any if there's any kids listening <laughs> nah, there's a Middlesbrough fan in this, so this it's really nice to see. So, and like we saw with the uh, the Phil, hashtag Phil the Matcon campaign as well, which was you know despite it not exactly working, it was just nice to see fans coming together and buying tickets for people they'd never met before, for people you know fans from across the pond and whatnot who could never get to the game, still buying tickets and just trying to give the club a bit of money and filling up the. Uh, trying to fill up the stage and Liam what's been your take on the kind of goodwill we've been seeing around Bolton at the minute I, have, I haven't really enjoyed it in the same sort of way to be honest boys um, and I don't know you know I mean look if, if those staff are particularly pleased with it I mean personally I I, I wouldn't want my unfortunately being dragged through Twitter and people putting the name next to it as if it's going to make a big difference now don't get me wrong, I'm sure some people have contributed to that thinking it's, you know, it, like it's making a big difference, but I can't just help but sit there and think, you know, what difference is it making, you know? <laughs> and I, yeah. I, I don't want to sit here and criticise people that think, you know, that, that they're helping and, you know, to a degree they are, but come on. Like, we can't do a just giving every time something bad happens to anybody. You know, <laughs> it's just... Yeah, you've got a point, mate. Like, I mean, yeah. if, I mean, privately, I've got quite cynical views on this, and I don't necessarily want to wear them because I don't think it's fair because I think some people have done it, you know, with, out of a real sort of warm gesture, but I, I think for a lot of them, I, I think it's just a case of getting some good PR out of other people's misfortune, to be honest, and I, and I, I hope that I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. Yeah, well, no matter what motivations may be behind closed doors, it's just nice to see, even if it's just like other fans and fans coming together to try and help in such a bleak situation. But anyway, like I said, it's looking like the players won't be paid again for December, and as we alluded to, either earlier or later, I'm losing track of time at this moment. Um, it, it, Lee Lennon said in a press conference today that he's worried that players could leave for nothing in January, probably, when... They can, if they've not been paid for two months, they can give two weeks' notice and then they can leave for nothing. Um, one player who's already registered his intent to leave is Mido Kamara. I, I know you're surprised that he's still here in the slot in anyway, so am I. But it's looking pretty bad. Any player who hasn't been paid could leave in January, it seems. It's, I suppose it's good that it's in the transfer window because uh, we might be able to get the money off them before they can fucking. Uh, break the contracts but I suppose no one's going to pay for a player if that's going to be released in two weeks anyway so guys do we do we hey do we think obviously this is horrendous but do we think it's likely to happen that they're going to leave do you think if it gets to that stage who do we think will leave who do we think will stay if any what's what your general opinions on all this uh, Johnny Um, I don't know I mean I can think of a few players that probably would leave um, if if we couldn't pay, um, I think the likes of um, I think Wito would probably leave. 
uh, and just start from the back and go forward in the first team. I think Dans would leave. I think Prattley would leave. To be honest, I think the majority of the, of the teams that we we've uh, we've spoken about in the last few weeks, the players that we slate week in week out, would probably go because they know that they can go and get championship football at another mid-table club. I'd be very surprised if Liam Feeney could find championship football. <laughs> some, hey, somebody would have him, you know. Yeah, probably. But it would. So, uh, I don't know. Should, 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 should a better question be, who do you, do you think anyone would stay and who would they be? Um, who would stay? I think Ami Obi and Heskey would stay because nobody else would have him. I think Heskey uh, would retire, to be honest with you. I think, yes. Yeah, probably. Ami Obi would stay, I think. Ami Obi's out of contract soon, though, isn't he? Like, normally. Oh, I don't think we can afford to actually fucking sign him on again. Uh, Amos, I think, would stay. The young lad, unless someone came in. I think he, I think he would want to stay because uh, he does, he does genuinely seem quite committed to the club. But I don't think he would because somebody would come in and get him. Uh, Vela, he'd probably stay because I can't see anybody coming in and, and buying him at the moment. Um, they wouldn't have to buy him. What did they leave? Up, they'd be able to sorry, him just even even sign him on. Like, I, I, no. I don't. I think he'd probably try and stick around. Um, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag to be honest. I don't think there's many though. Uh, Liam, do you see any of them staying? I don't. You, you don't know, dear. Do you? you don't know what's going on in particular individuals' head. I'll, I'll be honest. I was quite surprised Lennon brought it up. Yeah, I mean, it's weird, isn't it, that he's been so open about a lot of stuff in these presses? Yeah, I mean, this particularly for me, it's 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 created a bit of an issue that it didn't need to. I, I'd, I'd rather have, if this was a problem behind closed doors, I'd rather have not known about it. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, because I think I think it's opened up a bit of can of worms, really. You know, and I think you, all of a sudden we're scrutinising each individual player as to whether they're going to be leaving or going. Whereas we didn't really need to be doing this. Mm. It's just so it's a bit weird that he brought it up. Now, obviously, he's, he he lived through it, didn't he? Obviously, looking across Glasgow and saw what happened at Rangers, and perhaps he's drawing loads of similarities between what happened there and and what he's going through himself now at Bolton. But I mean. Look, if I'm going to say, I mean, you don't know, do you? You don't know what's going on in each individual player's head. You don't know. I, I imagine they're probably going to be sort of to a degree meeting up and discussing this kind of things openly between them as a group now. Yeah. You know, if Lennon's felt the need to bring it up, it must have been brought up at some point. I imagine the PFA probably are the ones. Them. Yeah, yeah the one... like Tre- Trevor Birch has been really good at communicating. So maybe they're, rather than it being. Trevor Birch's daily update. Maybe they're looking at passing out information through through other sources. So Lennon being a little bit more open than other people. Do you know what I mean? It's a little bit different rather than Birch bringing us bad news all the time. Yeah, you're probably you're probably right. To be honest, Johnny, I think you know th- th- this must be being discussed by the PFA, or else why bring it up? It's just a bit, and it's very very uncomfortable. So I would think you'd stay. I don't. You don't know, do you? You just don't know what's yeah. going on in each individual player's head. You, you yeah. know, you don't know whether they feel an obligation to carry on and get Bolton Wanderers at the mess. A mess that, let's be honest, none of them have caused, except Tim Ream. So, <laughs> <laughs> listen, you. You're gonna get off this thing. You yeah. carry on with that cheek. It, 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 you've got to, each and each individual's going to ask themselves the question, you know, and look at the families and. Obviously, the money that's been involved, can they see an outcome of it? How close are they in terms of takeover? You, you, you don't know. There's a, there's a lot of factors in place. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I wouldn't criticise anyone for leaving. It, you know, they, like you said, they've got their own homes, their own... How you know, could you? How could you? If you're, 
like I know Dan obviously you're you student, but Liam if if your boss came up to you tomorrow and said, Right, we're not gonna pay you for the next two months, do you wanna stay? You'd say you know, absolutely it's, not. It's happened to me. Um, this is this is the thing and this is why I've not been critical of any of the players. About about two years ago I, I worked for a company that unfortunately did go through this kind of process and you know, in the end I left. Um I, I left and and you know a lot of people were still sort of trying to fight to try and save some sort of recompense from the hard work that they'd done over a few months' time. And I was someone who was quite important to that process. But at the end of the day, I had other people that relied on me and I had to make a decision to go and work for somebody else. So it's very real and it's a very yeah. difficult situation. You've got a lot of different people with a lot of different factors that come into place. Now, you, I mean, at the time I was still living at home. So, for example, I, I could... I gave it another couple months longer than perhaps someone sat next to me who had a mortgage left on the spot as soon as there was an issue. So, you know, each individual person has these different things. So from personal experience, I, I left, you know, it, I, I went. Yeah, I think, like I said, I don't know if anyone would stay and even if it was just Feeney or just, the, you know, the ones you think are shit, did, I'd love them for staying and did, you know, for sticking it out despite what we're going through I'd, I'd admire them for, it was one of the like it's hard to not put this in hyperbolic terms but just like just a player who obviously for whatever motivations he might have was committed enough to the club to stay in the hardest of times and for that I'd be forever grateful but in the same breath if any player chose to leave then you can't criticise them in the slightest because it's their livelihoods they've got to look out for and well, day, Lennon you know? said he said in his presser today, like that he's told them that they can become heroes. To yeah. if, they, if they save this club and they're involved in pulling us out of this absolute shit show that we're in in the moment, mm. then that like, they could they just, could be like the next generation of Bruno Ingotti's, Yuri Jarkaev, Stelios Janakopoulos, and in ten in, yeah, in ten years' time, we might be saying, "Oh, there's a consortium with Liam Feeney and Gary Medina that want to take over Bolton Wanderers." And then Chris will shut down the site forever, and we'll never speak to each other again. <laughs> it just depends on what they want. Do they? Do they want to have a legacy, or at least have a legacy of trying, or do they, you know, or do they have to look after themselves? And whichever they decide, that's purely up to them, and no one yeah. can blame them for that. And then one final point before we wrap this segment up is the talk of a supporter's trust being formed. Now, things are sketchy at the minute. There's um, there's plans in place and stuff, and with this, I believe there's trying to generate support and stuff. A website's been made, or is in the process of being made. I know it's up. I don't know if it's it's full, uh, full fully designed state yet. But, yeah, and the, and the idea is, and if you can just uh, let me get this message up, there's a group of supporters, and this is from, if I guess right, right, this is from the, like, the main guy in the supporters trust who's trying to sort it out, and he says that the idea is that there's a group of supporters who are trying to establish a supporters trust, and that is it, and it's advancing quickly. There's a group of, there's a ground swell of support for it from fans, what it will consist of, we'll have to wait and see, but call on everyone to support it once it is launched, etc. And the point is to f- to have a person, a representative of the fans on the board for when a new owner comes in, if a new owner comes in. Johnny, I believe you have a bit more information on it. Would you mind sharing? Uh, 
Yeah, so I, like I said earlier, I've been wheeled out across the northwest and national media over the last few weeks to kind of um, just raise a bit of awareness for this. So, if, like Dan, you just summed it up there really. So, supporters trust is just for the people who don't know is just a foot in the door for the supporters. So, there'd be a lot of people out there now that are thinking, why has it got to this? Why has this happened to us? Um, how did it get to this point where our great club is? is falling so rapidly off this cliff that it's probably never going to get back to where it was. So if and only if new owners come in and we actually do potentially get the chance to rebuild, that is when the supporters' trust will really kick on and essentially campaign to have a place on the board so we can have some say. Now, I'm not saying that it's going to be, like I said to you lads earlier in the break, it's not going to be Chris Manning sat at the head of a a, a table um, in the boardroom at Bolton Wanderers talking about Bayern Munich away in 2007. It's going to be someone who's properly, not elected, but chosen to head this group up and who's got a good business knowledge and also represents the fans and will genuinely listen to what the fans want as a whole. Obviously, you're going to get people saying, sign Messi, sign Neymar, or they can fuck off. Um, but it's people who genuinely know about the club and genuinely are interested and, and want to make good things happen. Um, so that's that's essentially it, really. It just gives fans their, their chance to kind of say what they want to say. So the, the Twitter, for those that don't know, if they're on oh, Twitter, yeah, it's um, at BWFCST. Um, so if you're not already following that account on Twitter, uh, I don't know who's running it, to be honest. I don't know if it's Chris. Um, but yeah. Yeah, go and follow it. That's kind of just what we're trying to do in the background with the supporters trust at the moment. Just people getting involved with it and uh, trying to make a few waves. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure there's even former player involvement as well. I'm not certain who, and I wouldn't want to say, but I'm pretty sure like former players, former legends, and all this are getting involved and not not. But again, I, w- I wouldn't want to say anything until that something's concrete on that. But it's it's definitely something that's. A positive sign. It's a it's a positive and it's a smart move from us as fans out whoever set it up originally because it's something that's working well at clubs like Swansea, Portsmouth now after their fucking horrendous time. I think they're pretty much got something like that going on down there. Obviously Swansea are fifty percent owned by the fans or something like that, fifty one percent something like that. So no one can ever take a majority stake in the club stuff like that. So it's surprising that Bolton fans have actually got the. Um, the lack of apathy to actually do something like this. I, I'd usually sort of associate Bolton fans with not really being this proactive in something like this, but it's really nice to see, in my opinion. So, Liam, what's your thoughts on the supporters' trust if it comes off? Is Liam there? Liam? Sorry about that, boys. Um, oh, sorry. It, it would give a fantastic amount of transparency, which perhaps the previous regime really lacked. But can only be a good thing. Can can only be a good thing. Now, I agree with you, Dan. It is quite surprising to, to see this from, from Bolton fans. They're usually quite cynical. I mean, personally, I, I am one of the more cynical people you will ever meet. And <laughs> I I am for, very much for this. I think any sort of movement in this direction is good. Any Even if, so even if they aren't on the board, just a more collective, more influential nice. fan base would be... Yeah would be very, very good, because I just don't think our BWFC supporters, whatever, get does anything near enough. I think, uh, to be honest, I think the closest thing we've got is what we're doing now. 
really, in terms of you know fans being able to talk where the club may may hear us. So I think any movement that way is good. In terms of being on the board, that that's quite ambitious. It it, it is ambition as to whether any new regime would want that. You know, each again, each individual would would come to that decision. It was actually one of the. Um, it was in the manifesto for the Labour Party for to be mandatory for all clubs to have what at least one board member to be a fan to promote that transparency. So you know there is sort of support for this idea in the wider, you know, football and really society as a whole for the, for this kind of movement. So I think it isn't necessarily as unrealistic as people might think. And Johnny, have you got any? Are you happy to see this thing happening if it does? actually take off properly yeah definitely I mean if Chris was here he'd be able to tell you more about how an individual would represent a a supporters trust on the board but as far as I'm aware I think people can essentially sort of run for an election um, like run for office on the board so and then we do that sort of as a supporters trust we do that in house and then we'd vote for this one spokesperson who would then when the time came for the club to say right well you can have a place on the board now this individual would then go and, and sit on the board because he, he or she has been elected to do so. Um, now, I'm, I'm quite happy with it. I said it on, on BBC Radio Manchester on Friday um, that the transparency and Jack Dade and Mark Isles both agreed with, with what I was saying, that the transparency and the communication from the club has been poor, really. I said that Trevor Birch has probably delivered more updates in his two month tenure however long it is than Phil Gartside did in, in however long it was ten years more than that so um, I think it, it's just really good like Liam said it's really good for transparency and communication and fans genu- generally fans that go to games which if say I was this individual it wouldn't be me it would be somebody with much more experience but say I was this individual I go to games and I know what it's like to be a fan and feeling in the dark I think that's the sense of it so you, you can't, fans know what fans want, really. Yeah, it's, I think... It I feel like it, oh, sorry, then, go on. Just, Can I just interrupt? Sorry, Dan. Yeah, of course. I do agree, Johnny, and I think with the last regime, or still to a degree, the current one, really, I think even from a really not, not a technical point of view, but you always got the idea that there was something that they were trying to hide. You, you always got that, and I just think that the easiest way to do that is to allow people in to see what's going on. You know, I mean, I, I picture it as some sort of, you know, absolute terrible boardroom with someone stood at the end of the table and all these minions sat there silently while Gartside slams his fist on the table and tells it how it is. You know, <laughs> I, I, just, I just think being able to allow a fan in that environment would develop a real level mm. of trust and make it feel like the point of the community that a football club should really be. Yeah. I think yeah, I think it's it's certainly a positive step, and we haven't had many of those. Pers- we haven't had many of those in recent weeks, so it's definitely something to keep an eye on and to f- um, fully put fully put everyone's support behind. And again, that Twitter handle, so everyone go and follow it is at bwfcst, and I didn't recommend you bookmark the website uh, bwfcst.com, and hopefully there'll be a lot more um, traction and movement and updates on that in the coming days, weeks and months etc so anyway that's been a positive end to that segment and we'll be back in just a moment to preview the upcoming Charlton and Fulham games see you then (laughs) 
Hello everyone and welcome back. We're going to preview the two games that are going to come in the coming week now for you. And the two absolutely fucking undisputably massive games for Bolton. We've got to travel down to Johnny's neck of the woods on tomorrow. So probably later on today by the time you listen to this I'd imagine. As we face Charlton in you know one of the only other teams who are near us in the table I think. Are they still in the bottom three I believe? Yes, I think so. Yeah, they're yeah. not doing awfully well. It's quite annoying actually because I've predicted them to like be challenging for playoffs this year because I thought they had a quite a good squad, and then um, I predicted Brighton to go down. So yeah, I'm oh, doing really? quite well with my. No, they're, they're not in the bottom three. No, Charlton twenty first, but twenty first, but they're seven, seven, seventeen points. They've got we've got twelve, so they're five yeah. points ahead of us. They've in their last uh, five games going from last. Saturday, Saturday just gone backwards. It's nil nil against Leeds, three two loss against Brighton. That was where they were two nil up, and then uh, Brighton That's came right. back to win three uh, two. Lost three nil against Ipswich, uh, beat Birmingham one nil, which is a very good result. I think that got them out of the bottom three, uh, and then they beat Sheffield Wednesday three one as well. Two very good results there in November, either side of the international break. But mm. before that, they'd lost to MK Dons, Middlesbrough, Brentford, Preston, Reading. So it's a bit of a big spag for them. So I think they've sat the manager in within there as well, haven't they, and got a new one in. So they're very unpredictable side, but they're a side that you know we need to be beating. And then on Saturday we play Fulham, a team who are in a bit of disarray at the minute because they rightfully sat their quite shit manager and still actually haven't hired another one yet. So and of course my boy, my long lost love, old Tim Ream, will be returning to town. Oh. And if he scores, I will fucking either cry or kill him. I've not quite decided yet. But anyway, we'll talk about he won't this game. If he no, I, I had this fantasy right because my mate at uni is a Fulham fan. I was talking to this about him. We played Fulham on the last day of the season. Imagine if we got a miraculous comeback and need a win to stay up. And imagine if Tim Reeves scores a last minute own goal. <sighs> Well, they could have done a last-minute goal to keep us up in the Premier League, so he didn't. Come on, why do people play me for that? There's no way he could have scored that. Yeah, he could have. He could have. No, he was like three players back. Sergio Aguero scored in the 94th minute to City to win the league the exact same day, so... No, but I mean... In fact, fact, by by default now, I'm going to blame Tim Reed for everything that's happened in the last five years. Listen, listen, Liam, you shut it, and we're going to have a falling out. Anyway, so we played Charlton on Tuesday... Um, it's Medine. It doesn't look like Gary Medine will be back from his injury, or was it said that he was ill and missed the game against Hull? Uh, so he might be back, but there's been no word either he's way. Probably, he's probably been out on the piss. Yeah, that, probably. Uh, level levels just opened, hasn't it? In Bolton oh, Town Centre, good apparently as well. Yeah, he's probably been trying it out him and uh, him and Weeter. But obviously, <laughs> Weeter loves the booze because it's making him play better. Medine, I don't know what the fuck's happened. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Shola picked up an injury against. Um, Hull, so he might be missing out, which leaves us with one fit striker in Heskey. Darren Prattley also left the pitch injured against Hull. He left with a concussion after Neil Dance twatted the ball in his face from a quick free kick we tried to do, which, if it doesn't sum up the fucking downfalls of Bolton this season, I don't know what will. But So we've got Heskey as their only, at the minute as the only fit striker. Now, it's fucking obvious that under no circumstances can we start Heskey or go into that game with Heskey being the either only striker. Alex Samidazi didn't play for the under-21s today as they lost to Sheffield United 1-0. Is it time that we just fucking put him in, no matter how young he is? Because he scores goals. He put a twi- he put a video of his goal against Millwall on Twitter when he just twats it in from 30 yards, runs and does a fucking 
somersault celebration in, a, under, in like an under-18s game. So, is it time we just literally say fuck it and throw him in? Because he cannot do any worse than what's already, you know, he's, what he's up, up against. So, Liam, did we throw him in at all, do you think? Because I would know. It's really easy to do, isn't it? Yeah, you know. no, that's why we should do it. <laughs> um, I'm always the one that's sort of pushing against this idea of throw the kids in, they can do no worse, because... They, they can, they can do worse, definitely. Um, having said that, this particular kid does seem to have talent. Um, from what I can see, I don't know, I, I just think the physical side may get to him because he is, even for his age, he looks particularly oh, small. I would say he's, he's a small lad, he's in height, but I think he looks quite bulky and sturdy, I'd say, personally. Well, and he's only 17, literally just turned 17. Stranger things have happened than players of that age making it, exactly. but... It, for me, throwing him in from the off would be mental. That'd be absolutely reckless. But can he go on the bench? Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, I, I can have that. I can deal with that. Give him a give him a run out. I just think the phys- the physicality of it is completely different. You know, it's all right him doing it against those seventeen year old defenders. But when you're up against big, strong lads, quicker, stronger, that are in the gym yeah. three times a week, it's a completely different thing. It's all it's questionably dangerous to, yeah. to throwing him in. So. I would probably consider putting him on the bench, but I definitely wouldn't start him. No, I used to agree with you, and I was at the same, you know, this time three months ago, four months ago, when all the talk was Jamie Thomas, I was against it then, because he's like, just let him keep on developing. But at this point, we're desperate. We are. Like, yeah, but we've got we, nothing else, and I think... Desperate enough to risk that, you know? It's, yeah, I'd say. It's literally giving him one go, it can either... Well, you say you say the thing is, Dan. You say that, but this time next week we could be an admin, and it doesn't matter who fucking plays then. Oh yeah, there's always that. No, nothing matters then, so you know. I mean, you can put him on the bench. Don't start him. Done it. Um. Oh, oh, I don't know. Like, I would, I'd love to see him start and smash it and do really well, play ninety minutes. Um. Like, do you remember? Remember Joe Riley's debut at yeah. home against, against Stoke? Stoke, yeah. And we won five 0 and. Coyle took him off in yeah. like the 89th minute and he got a standing ovation. He was absolutely outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I mean, I know an away game on a Tuesday night to Charlton is a little bit different, but who else have we got? If we start Heskey tomorrow, we'll be under pressure from the first minute um, because he just he can't hold the ball up well enough. And realistically, Feeney is going to end up playing up front. Yeah, he'll be a free um, back with Heskey yeah. and Feeney. Feeney up front, and then maybe I don't know. Could, is Tom Walker going to come in? Although Casado, so, but he'll play back, wing backs. So, he'll play, yeah. I say, with Casado and Muxer there, won't he? So I don't, I don't know. Like I think it can do no harm when we're in the state that we're in. I don't think, unless I did say it um, earlier when we were chatting that um, Zach Clough might start because I've not heard much. I know Lennon said he'll tr- he trained today, and if he comes through it, he'll they'll take him. And I, I can see him starting, getting injured again, being out for the rest of the season. Yeah, so can I. He's, he seemed to rush players back a little bit this year. You know, I know Prattley came back into the starting lineup out of nowhere against QPR, I believe it was. Now, I know that Prattley's like played every game since and he's not picked up another injury, but it did seem like he was rushed back in, didn't it? Moxie's come back in out of seemingly no... Or did Moxie did play an under-21s match, did he? Uh, yes, yes he might. so he has done a bit, but I'd be, yeah, I'd be very, very worried if Clough came straight back in. And I don't think he really needs, like I said, he's, at this point, he's our biggest asset. And I think with the players not getting paid business, 
it always said that the young players had been paid. So do you think Clough still has so we can keep him? No, I think their clusters they're in the first te- they're in the first team squad. So see, I uh, there's a part of me that reckons they might have still paid Clough and that because we he's literally our only asset at this point, isn't he? Is it is it not just the high earners? I don't know. I mean, they say yeah. the first team squad haven't been paid, but if you I'm on the website now. You look at the first team squad. There are yeah, yeah, all the players we we talk about. Clayton Clough's in there. It just but then again, surprise me if all the players under the age of say 22 have been yeah, paid. Because you got it's players a, in there. Like, it's nice. a very dangerous game if you start doing that. Yes, it definitely is. But I just wonder if they've done it by age to get that loophole, saying the younger lads need to get paid. But it's so we get Clough, so Clough can't fuck off. If you get if, me. Was, if you were spearing and you heard Clough had been paid, what would you oh, do? Oh, you'd be infuriated. But at the end of the day, it's oh, the club's best I, interest. I, I doubt it. I doubt it completely. It's just it'd be from a managerial perspective. It'd be completely but, reckless. For, as a squad thing, but as keep for the club's best interest, would you? If you were, let's say, you're the person in charge of who gets paid and who's not, you're not involved with the team, so it doesn't matter to you what players are like. Would you not do that to keep all the your only sellable asset? No, no, because if they all go, then you're done, aren't you? It's oh, game over. Anyway, at the minute, with the way this is going, so it wouldn't. Like I say I'm, I'm basing this off absolute theory, but. Pure speculation. I know no inside information or anything like that. But I've just got a feeling that they may have done it. So every player under the under a certain age has got paid. So you no, know, so we can keep them and keep all the. Which is a good move. Which even if it is just the kids, I'm happy that the kids are getting paid because end of day when we go down to League One next year, they're going to be the spine of this team if we still remain a team. That is. So yeah, what was your verdict on playing them, Johnny? Um, Johnny, would you do it or not? Um, I think I would just because we've got no other option and there is not a chance I'm travelling for an hour across London tomorrow to see Emil Heskey start that game. So oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my fingers crossed and hope at least one of them plays. Liam, what was the point in signing Luke Bratton? Do um, you even know who Luke Bratton is? Because I wouldn't fucking blame you if you didn't. Well, yeah, but I mean, I, I heard it suggested at the time that it was essentially just a favour. Just, yeah, to try, too, just to try but... and just to try and build that bridge. I mean, to be honest, I mean the whole reason of City signing him looks dodgy to me. It's mean, a so, weird one, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, but he could because, have just trained at their training ground, couldn't he? Well, this is it. It's, it's all it's all a bit odd. It's all a bit odd, and I'll I, be honest, I've not seen him in the under twenty ones. And from from what I gather, the reports aren't great. Yeah. If I, from what I hear, so it's all a bit weird. If we're not paying his wages. Which I imagine we're probably not. No, we're not. I'm pretty sure we're not. Then we're I don't. It, can't do any harm to have another body in in and around Honestly, the team. Something is different. It, has he been on the bench yet in nope, a first team not game? At all. I What's think the point? Like he's in come a all game against. Was it might have been Brent? Either Brentford or Brent, no Reading. It was. They tweeted a picture of his shirt, Bratton 29, and then was not involved in the slightest. So he travelled with the squad that day. You'd suspect. But he's not been involved in the slightest. It just seems like what was the absolute point of it? Maybe he's come over for a bit of culture to teach the squad about what it's like in Australia. I don't know. What it's like to actually get paid for your job. Yeah. I I genuinely think it's um, Melbourne City signing him, to be honest. He's going to go. It definitely is, yeah. And and I I don't see why we've been roped into anything. Maybe just to make it all a bit more more smoke and mirrors from City's perspective. But it is all a bit odd. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Like he could have just trained at City Stadium for City. Yeah. City's like state of the art, two hundred million quid. Yeah, at least go on, like I've been. City, have you been to City's training ground? No, the I've one? seen the new one they've built in that oh, the academy stuff they've built. Unbelievable! We I played a game there for work because they challenged us 
City's like media team challenged us to a game and we went and like used the facilities and stuff. We they've got like a little stadium which yeah, the all the one that they can generate replicate weathers and stuff in it. Yeah, it seats about eight thousand, I think. Mad. Um, we played in there and it's, the facilities are unbelievable. So what the fuck he's doing training at Exton? I don't know. See, it just doesn't make any sense. But I'd like I said, I've said it for the last few weeks of this podcast. I'd stick him in the team just for something different, even though, as Johnny said. Um, Dan's and uh, Prattley in the middle might actually be working a little bit, but uh, it's a it's a nine one it. So anyway, we won't do teams for both games because you know that'd be overkill. We don't know what's to come. We don't know how many injuries we'll get in the Charlton game because we'll undoubtedly get a few. But uh, Liam, what would your team be for tonight, tomorrow night's game against Charlton? Well, I'd keep it the same, really. To be honest, um, I think. You can't look at a 1-0 loss away at Hull and think that's a terrible result. Mm. It, it isn't really. And if we look at the fact that Dan's hit the post, we could have got some out of that. You know, yeah. I appreciate all the doom and gloom we've got. But if you're trying to look at that with some level of, you know, objectivity, you've got to think, that's not that bad, actually. Who are you going for up front, then? If... This is the tricky one, isn't it? Yeah. I... I'm going to I'm gonna have to say Heskey. I'm going to have to say. But I don't want to. Yeah. I would probably have Samadeze on the bench if I'm being open. I would, but I don't know how good Clough is or what his condition is. That for me, that's a bonus. But I'd probably start Heskey and at least try and get him to half time and give Samadeze at least some tired legs to work with. And you, Johnny, what team would you go for? Um... And you predicted the Casado and Moxie fucking team up uh, last week's podcast so can you please predict some of Darcy starting now so what happens <laughs> I'll go I'm going to start from the back uh, obviously Amos um, I think we'll stick with Vela oh do we play Holding I'm See, going, I, it depends what formation you go for isn't it I don't think we play five at the back again not in this kind of game we need to We need. Yeah. this is a game we need to try and get three points out of yeah. so I would probably say Holding because if he's played that well then why not why drop him um, Prince because he's better than Devee Wheater, Casado, Moxie on the left uh, Dan's Prattley although mm, I maybe dropped Prattley actually yeah. Dan, Dan's Mark Davis um, and then Feeney Samadese and Heskey mm, see yeah I'm pretty similar I'd go with Amos I'd probably holding or Vela either or I'm not too fussed. Then um the centre backs Prince and Wheater again again. Prince's despite Prince's mistakes of late, he's still better than Devee, who was injured anyway against Hull, and he's probably still better than Derek, who can't buy a game at the minute. Uh yep, Xardo and uh Moxie both on the left, then I'd yep, yeah, Dan's Dan's and Prattley in the middle I think I'd go for. 'Cause like you said, they're both the buff workers aren't they they'll hustle and harry and win the ball yeah then I'd go Feeney on the right and Mark Davis playing just off Samadazi because I just can't even can't even imagine a world where Heskey starts up front at this point because I just I'd, I don't mind him and like you said Liam I agree with you when you said um, he is effective for 20 minutes coming off the bench we've seen it happen but it's just that's it um, we lose if we start up front with him we lose because he's just got no Holy, yeah. He's got no holy power. He can't press your defenders. We've literally played with we've, ten we've, men. 
if he starts. With that, with that um, line-up there, though, Dan, we have to play the ball on the floor. Like, <laughs> they, that, yeah. they, when the going gets tough, they did it against Cardiff, and that, I wrote it uh, when I went to watch the Ipswich game a few weeks ago. They did it then. When the goal, when we're up against it and we concede, they just ping it long. And it yeah. goes long and long and long. To, I mean, it's all right when you've got Medine and Amiobi up there. At least they, uh, and Teske to a certain extent, at least they, they sort of make themselves useful and they're a bit of a handful. But mm. Samadaisy and, and Mar Davis playing off him, like, yeah. what are they going to do there? They're, yeah, no they're going to win zero point. aerial duels. But I'd imagine, well, the hope is that Medine's back fit. And if he is, <laughs> imagine that. Imagine hoping that Gary Medine can start for your team. Because, you know, without him, we do lack any top presence up front, really, despite how much of a shite house he may well be. So, anyway, um, Johnny, what's your prediction for both games? Um, I, I reckon we, I genuinely believe we could get a win tomorrow. And that's not just because I'm going, but I genuinely do think we could win. So, I'm going to go 1 0 Bolton. Um, goal scorer being Dean Moxie. Um, that's a bit left field. Yeah, he's good against Charlton last time we were there last year. True, true. Um, uh, and Fulham, it's going to be a weird game. I think we'll draw again. I'm going to go one all. Uh, Liam, same to you. Well, I think we'll lose both. To be honest, yeah, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I I think we'll struggle tomorrow. I think it comes too soon after what will be quite a leggy afternoon in Hull. So I think we'll probably lose quite comfortably tomorrow 2 or 3 nil. just waiting for Vaste to bag two against us tomorrow um, also against Fulham they I mean like like similar to what you said earlier Dan I mean I've got a friend at work who's a, a massive Fulham fan um, we're going to the game together on Saturday and it's abs- their club's madness as well they, yeah. this, the manager Three weeks ago, and they're still no closer to hiring anyone. That's it's absolutely mental. Having said that, I don't think that kind of chaos is anything near enough to steer into any kind of disappointing performance against us. So I think you know that's going to be another defeat. I reckon be a bit closer, maybe three-one. Pat Fulham. Mm, um, I'm still I'm thinking the similar way. We don't win away. We ne- we went, we lost we last won away last April against Cardiff, and before that. Fuck knows when. So I think if we're lucky, we might scrape a nil-nil at Charlton. But I can see him winning. I can see Ricardo fucking Vazte scoring the winner, which would just be predictably bleak. And yeah, I don't see us winning that. And Fulham again, whilst they may be in a slight disarray, and I could could potentially see us getting something there, just because we seem to do all right against Fulham in recent years. I just, I just see them beating us again. Though they've got Dembele, uh, McCormack, Ream. They've got a lot of good players. Like, um, who is it? Who's the winger they've got? They signed from Blackburn. Kearney? He's pretty yeah. good as well. Compared to what we've got, so yeah, I, I agree with Liam. I see him smashing us quite handily, really, my, which is like my, my Fulham fan friend pointed out to me a few weeks ago that pretty much everyone they signed over the summer were respective player of the years at their old clubs. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. But my yeah, Fulham, do you reckon they could lend us some money? Because <laughs> in Scott Parker still on like sixty grand a week. Yeah, he's, on, and he's a sub. Yeah, he's on like big, big dough. Maybe they should loan him out to us, or at least I don't know. Maybe we should arrange something. If any listeners have got connections with Fulham, or there's anything we want to do before the game, I, I genuinely believe we could maybe get some money 
They are Fulham. Very <laughs> nice Fulham as well. I wouldn't mind that kind of connection with them. They're quite yeah. cool, aren't they? I'll tell you something though. Fulham is a game where the likes of Medine, Amiobi could actually get some joy in the air because I mean, my mate is a Fulham fan and has got it on quick regard that whilst they might be good on the floor defending, they're fucking hopeless because Tim Ream's playing centre-back. They're hopeless at defending crosses at the back post and a lot of their goals come from players, him and Adam Reach, I think it is. No, or maybe Adam Fred Fredericks. Well, I think we'll be all right if you put anyone with some kind of physicality against Remo, just yeah. watching Wilton die yeah. against the kind of pressure that he gets put under. So I think we'll be all right, actually. Change your mind, we'll beat them 4-0. They've got him at the back. <laughs> I think if we do swing some crosses in towards Reem, you know, that back post, and Medine can win flick-ons and head them down to hopefully someone in the box, we might get some joy. But, A, I don't know if Lennon has the tactical acuteness to actually see that and work it out anymore and I don't know if the players are smart enough to actually implement it when they're on the pitch anyway but yeah that's another that's the end of another rather bleak and depressing Lion of Vienna Suite podcast I've been your host Daniel Murphy you can follow, find me on the old internet at Mabroski Johnny where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on the internet namely Twitter at Johnny Eckersley come and tweet me and let's talk about Bolton and Liam, where can people find you? Um, normal place, um, at the bottom of your garden, just watching you. Oh, that is, what, a, what an image. <laughs> what an image. I can't get that out of my mind. Just, you, I can just imagine it now, peering through the brushes with your beard, just hanging out, just the slightest bit oh. of kitchen light reflecting on your glasses. It, depending on what's, what I'm looking at, sometimes there's drool, but I can't get <laughs> Right. And that brings, you know, a slightly creepy end to the podcast. You can... Follow Line of Vienna at Line of Vienna Steve. You can get on the Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash Line of Vienna Suite. And uh, go to Line of, of Vienna Suite.com, of course, for all all matter of articles, of satire, of depressing anecdotes, of likes of Gary Kale to go back to when the days were actually good, isn't it, Johnny? Yeah, oh, don't, mate, I'll mate, cry. Yeah, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't think we're emotionally stable enough to go back there again. No, we're not. Anyway, it's been episode 39 of the Lanyard of the Sweet Podcast. Thank you for listening, and come back next week where we'll hopefully have, well, probably not, but hopefully have something a bit more cheery to talk about, and if not, something a bit more concrete, and we might actually know where Bolton will understand in this horrible world of football. Liam, say goodbye. Bye, everyone. Johnny. Say goodbye. Bye, everyone. Don't get too down in the dumps about this club. Mm. We'll, we'll be here till the end, no matter what, anyway. And it's goodbye from me, Salah. Lee. <laughs>